Welcome to Design Your Life, the podcast where we explore applying design principles to everyday life. I'm your host and founder of Frost Collective, Vince Frost. In the second episode of the mini-series in collaboration with Professor Joel Pearson, we dive into intuition and decision-making to understand how we can train ourselves to understand and trust our intuition in order to make better informed decisions. Welcome back to the second part of our series with Joel Pearson. Today we're going to be talking about intuition, decision-making, and, and how this all kind of works. And Welcome again, Joel. Yeah, my pleasure. We had a great conversation the other day on resilience, and I think that that would be a real benefit to people, so I'm hoping you guys enjoy that. Let's just talk about intuition, and, and you know, again, I asked last time, what is resilience? What is intuition? <laughs> it's, yeah, so it's... So we study intuition in the lab, um, and it's one of the topics I get most asked about um, from from journalists. Um, and the first thing is always that, what is it? What is it not? So what, the way I'm going to talk about it, I'm going to be talking about uh, something we study scientifically. It's not going to talk about sort of any magic or anything woo-woo or spiritual or anything like that. I'm going to hmm. be talking about Damn. Yeah, how we can use unconscious information in our brains and body bodies to make better, faster, and more accurate decisions mm-hmm. and more confident decisions, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so going back, I don't know, six or seven years ago now, I had a PhD student, a graduate student who was in, came to the lab and he wanted to study intuition. Um, and the way you typically study it would be with questionnaires or you get expert chess players and ask them questions about how they feel like they make their decisions when they're playing chess. And that was kind of, that, that was like, yeah, that, that's the way a lot of people do it. But I said, just hang on a sec. Let's see if we can figure out what intuition is and figure out a, way, a new way to, to measure it from the ground up scientifically here in the lab. And so we sort of whittled back the idea of what are the basic, most fundamental ingredients of what intuition could be, um, what do we can agree upon. So the idea that it involves unconscious emotional information um, and some kind of rapid decision making and the combination of those things. This idea of a gut response, you've got to feel something, um, but it's kind of not really conscious, right? So, so we figured out a way to bring all that together in the lab. So there's ways of doing all those things in neuroscience and psych where we can get emotions into your brain unconsciously. So we call that emotional inception. So I can show you nasty images or nice images in one eye. I can flash something in the other eye and you'll never be conscious of those images but your brain will still process them, right? And there's lots of ways we can measure that. We know that brain's responding, the nasty images, the emotional parts of your brains will still respond, you'll, you'll, you'll sweat more, all these kinds of things will happen even though you never see the nasty image. So that's how we got the emotion to the brain. And at the same time, we have people making it, doing a conscious, real-time decision-making task. And putting that together was the key to sort of figuring out how we could measure it objectively, reliably in the lab. So I can go happy to go and write the nerdy details of how we do that. What we found was that people could utilize this unconscious emotional information in their brains and they can use that to make better decisions. They're more accurate and they can do it faster and they felt more confident about it. And they never really knew why because they never saw these emotional images. Mm. Um, and through a whole lot of other studies, we've shown that um, that's actually what's going on. We can measure it, the physiology of it. Um, 
and it relates also to how people describe how they make their decisions in everyday life. And so you can give someone a questionnaire and say, how do you feel like you make your decisions? Is it very rational and logic, or does it feel more mood-based, feeling-based, more intuitive? And those that say more intuitive do much better in this lab-based task. Those who describe their decisions as very rational and logical don't actually do very well in this lab-based task. Mm. So that kind of opened up this field. And if you like, you know, there's so many books and there's, you know, Gladwell and there's all this, there's, there's lots of stuff on intuition. And people love talking about it, but there's not, the science on it hasn't been that great. So I felt this was the first sort of stake in the ground showing that it's a real thing. Mm. We can track the information in the brain. We know you, your brain can do this. This is kind of the base definition of what intuition could be. Um, and it's simply you utilizing information. It doesn't have to be emotional pictures. It could be anything, right? Any information that you're processing because your brain processes tons of information mm. and you're only really consciously aware of a very small bit of that. So there's tons of information in your brain that we're not consciously using but we can use that, tap into that somehow, and it can bias and change and sway our decision. People refer to intuition also around uh, the inner voice, right? I mean, it's the inner voice. There's something in you that's telling you or guiding you. Yeah. Again, I, I guess we've kind of talked about in the previous conversation is that um, people get disconnected with that, with the modern society. We think that it's hokey to listen to your inner voice. We think that, you know, who is that talking to me? Yeah. And surely that something in me doesn't know better than somebody else externally who's advising me, whatever. That inner voice guides us and literally gives us the clues um, through our lives. Yeah. And it's incredible how you can get disconnected with that. You can stop listening. And as a result, I found that many times where I've stopped listening to my inner voice, um, uh, because I see that as being an inner critic at times. Literally, that is actually the voice telling me uh, what to do and what not to do. Yeah. Um, sounds like a nagging person in your life, but it actually, it's a positive thing, right? Yeah. Presume, presume it's linked with survival. Yes. And so, we can, so the, let me first give another example. So sort of in between what you're talking about and the, and the more sciencey version, the example I like to give is <laughs> yeah. like... You go into a, ca to a restaurant, a seafood restaurant, let's say, mm -hmm. and you sit down, and you're about to order, and you kind of look around the room, and you kind of go, hmm, yeah, maybe not, I don't know. You don't, you don't really know why you're getting this feeling, but the you're vibe. feeling something, there's a vibe, yeah. um, and it's a feeling. So you're not logically going, hmm, it's too warm in here, the tablecloth looks old, I don't like the music's weird, or... Um, the stains over there there's all these little things that your brain is processing and you're not consciously deciding this plus that plus that plus that makes me doubt this whatever the cleanliness or the food quality but your brain's just interpreting that as a feeling so you feel and you go mm, doesn't feel good until you're out of there so that's how I like to describe it so it's, it's processing information as a feeling rather than logically something that's conscious um, so it can be anything like I said, smell, music, what, anything, information. Mm. So once we sort of think about it like that, then we can break it up into a couple of other categories or a framework of when we should follow intuition or when we should not. And so when we should follow that inner voice. So one obvious thing is it, if something's just happened to you, something devastating or you get a breakup or if you're very emotional or upset, then you should not go to intuition, right? Your system is going to be thrown off out of whack. Mm -hmm. um, and so you should just avoid it. You should try and be logic 
logical and think through the decisions. Um, there are other areas we know also like very low probability events. So climate change or um, the effect of a single cigarette or there are all these situations where one-offs don't seem to make a difference but cumulatively there is a big difference. So I think it's low probability. Our brains are not good at understanding and, and experiencing. So that's where intuition is going to fail as well. Uh, there's other categories where new or different contexts. So let's imagine there's an example of a seafood restaurant and now I'm on the International Space Station. All those cues that I've learned through my life from going to restaurants are going to be completely useless on the space station or on the moon or on Mars, right, or in Antarctica. So a completely different environment is different. So my intuition is going to be largely useless in that situation as well, right? So let's think about... So over years of my life, I've learned that... Or somehow my brain's learned that certain smells and certain temperatures and certain this and that in a restaurant setting probably predicts something negative, outcome, upset stomach or whatever it might be. And so I've learned that through experience. Even though it's probably not conscious, I've learned those associations, so I make that prediction. Whereas in a completely different environment where there's no germs or there's no this or there's no that, like on Mars, I've never experienced anything on Mars before, so I have no intuition. So that's sort of an example of categories where I think we should not use intuition. Mm. I don't know you could turn it on and off. What do you mean? That's a good intuition. point. Intuition. I think I think if you're a very intuitive person, you're going to have trouble turning it off. Mm. If you're ve- if you're completely at the other end of the spectrum, you're very logical, you probably have trouble turning it on, but there's a lot of people in the middle there, dynamic thinkers, whatever you want to call them, who can kind of I guess switch it on or rely on it more, rely on it less. Mm. So I try and follow those sort of basic rules from science. So if I'm if there's a lot going on, I'm stressed and I'm happy or whatever, then I think, well, it's not a good time to listen to my gut, to how I'm in a voice, how I'm feeling. I'll wait till that's a bit clearer, and I'll just rely on logically thinking through the situation. Mm. So can you have inner voice overload? I mean, yeah, does mean it like too much intuition? Or? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess we're we we are are. are uh, we're stimulated by the sense. Our, um, we are. St- our senses are stimulated by uh, stimuli. You know, whatever it might yeah. be, smell, touch, um, etc., or a situation. Um, and I mean, as a, as designers, we're constantly utilizing that. Yeah. You know, we're constantly designing to try to create something which attracts or stimulates an individual, or certain specific individuals' needs, or fulfill their need or their hunger for something. Yeah. Um, sounds like complete manipulation. People don't often talk about that. More so in advertising, less so in design. But it is. It is a. There is a science to it. We're actually, you know, trying, trialing, trying to kind of make uh, more successful outcomes by getting more accurate our, at our recommendations. You know, what do we bring into the world? And that kind of comes back to when I'm designing. I utilize my intuition a lot. I listen. I research. Uh, talk to people. Uh, play around, try things, and then my intuition kicks into what is guides me through to the the outcome. Mm. And the combination of that and creative visualization, I can see through that intuition what I feel is the answer. I can start to see in my mind what that would look like in the real world. And I think that um, interesting. You're going to talk another time about aphantasia, where that's that the kind of inability to visualize, yeah. uh, which is really interesting. And I never even thought it was a thing. Um, 
And I think it's like with all things, there's a certain, by utilizing your intuition over time or knowing when to listen to it or not or to observe it, uh, over time of utilizing it again and again, you actually begin to kind of strengthen your ability to uh, benefit from that. Yep. Because I often equally think about you know, my intuition, I don't know if it's my intuition, but I start thinking about all the worst case scenarios and not the best case scenarios. Like I, I think, I try to eliminate the worst case scenarios first to, to then, so I can kind of get to the point of this is the best solution. Um, because I thought, what could go wrong with this idea? And the same thing with intuition is listen to your intuition and you're thinking about, is it protecting you from things going wrong? Or is it, I mean, what the hell is it for God's sakes? I mean, it's something that is, <laughs> we're, we're, it's something a really powerful part of our, uh, us being a human being. And, and um, I often go off track like I am now, but I often go off track in my life of when I, I know when I've not listened to myself, I've not listened to my yeah. intuition. And I've taken other people's advice and I've just kind of gone down what they thought I should do only to find it might have been right for them, but it's not, it hasn't turned out to be right for me. Why don't people trust their intuition? Because I think they, they've used it in situations where it has led them astray and they've been burnt by that. So you started with a question around, um, we had to manipulate it, right? And we know, so another category that I didn't mention would be people are you know, terrified of shark attacks or terrorist attacks, right? And then, but we know if you look at the numbers, there's, those things are so far down on some list that, that you mm. should basically not even think about them, right? Mm. Um, but they're graphic. They have amazing visuals. So if you have mental imagery, you'll be thinking about them or like a plane crash is another one. Um, and so those visuals will drive the fear centers of the brain, the amygdala, and you will give way more importance to those things that are graphic um, and so you'll get this feeling, oh, it's probably not safe to um, go on a plane or it's probably not safe to swim out deep in the ocean because I could, you know, and that, your intuition there, you, it's a feeling, but it's leading you astray. So in terms of anxiety, they would call that uh, emotional thinking, I think. Um, so you're giving too much weight to a feeling and certain topics or when your certain physiology is not quite right, you're going to start doing that. So there's situations where you don't want to follow intuition because um, it's going to lead you astray. Mm. But I think people just aren't aware of what it is. They, they hear the word and they think it's some magical thing, it's some made-up thing. They don't realise it's a real thing that if you practice and cultivate, it does get better and better. And mm. so we see that in our data, that at first um, there's not much of an effect, but it grows over time. People get better at it. Um, you hear sports players talking about that. You certainly hear reports in the, the military, particularly the US military, about this spidey sense, they often call it the sixth sense, that they'll have this, they'll, you know, they'll be in a convoy driving down a road or something and, and they'll, they'll stop and say, everyone will have, a few, multiple people have this funny feeling and they won't know why. But they'll order a thing to check the road and they'll find an you know, explosive device. And so there's these kind of situations where their brain is, proce our brains process the information. Again, we don't know, we're not aware of what's going on, but we're feeling the information. So it feels off. Mm. And so it's so the U.S. military recognise it. Uh, you know, it's, it's it's it is a real thing. And so again, knowing when to use it, when not to use it, and then how to cultivate it, I think is the key. I think that um, I, I was fascinated by intuition uh, when I was younger, starting off as a designer, and I, you know, I, I kind of 
wanted to know more about it. I did an intuition course in London. Uh, what, it was like a short course or something? Yeah, or a short like course. Oh. And it was, just, it was just incredible. But there's like 20 people, random people who had that same interest, wanted to do it for like a, I think a four-day period. And you'd sit down in front of it. They'd, they'd pair you off with an individual who you didn't know. And you'd sit down and face them, hold hands, close your eyes, and just, and just allow visuals to come into your mind. And it was just incredible. Just the, the images that came into my mind, this particular guy was holding hands with, <laughs> yeah. was um, this pink newspaper, first of all, came into my head. And then um, pictures of him uh, on, a, on a yacht in, in Hong Kong. I said it as it came out. And he said, oh, my God, I, I used to work for the Financial Times uh, in Hong Kong. And that's just a one, one, one experience I had. But multiple people in, the, in, that, in that meeting, in that in situation, actually had similar things come up. Um, but, and we knew nothing about each other. So it was like a telepathy thing. Yeah. Or is, that intu- is that intuition? Or, I mean, there was, I there was kind of feeling... Feeling, being open to feeling, uh, being yeah. open to hearing, to to, re- to receiving messages, and I think that um, I get that with design all the time. I get that in a lot of situations where, um, you know, you think something's going to happen, or you feel something's going to happen. Or as you say, so, uh, with the army, something doesn't feel quite right. There's something ominous about uh, that potentially could be coming about. Um, I think it's really incredible just to, you know, we've kind of all focused on technology you know we all focused on others knowing better than us but really we surely we're the ones each individual should be able to feel a situation uh better than anybody else because it's your body telling you this stuff yeah it's for some reason it's 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 talking to you it's giving you messages um and whether you take it on it or not so i've also been fascinated with so we see individual differences here. Some people seem to have to do it, and some people can't or don't or don't know why. We don't know what the difference is there. So one hypothesis is that um, this word interoception, so this perception of internal bodily states. And so some people can just sit here, like sit here quietly, and they can feel their own heartbeat. They can tap it out accurately if they want. Other people have no idea. So my theory is that it's something to do with how how much you can feel your own bodily states. And so the information's in there. You pr- you know, all your senses are processing this information. It's in the brain. Mm. And if you're, if you're used to feeling that, that you, you're going to pick up on it and you're going to realise, huh, it's useful. It's, a, it's telling me something. If you're not very sensitive to those internal states, you're not going to notice it, you're not going to cultivate it, and it's not going to be there. So I think that's the hypothesis about where it comes from, what it is, why some people have it, some people don't. Um, do you think it's just black and white? Is that? Do you think like people say, some people say they're creative and other people aren't creative? I mean, do you think we're all born with? We must surely we're all born with intuition, as part of our DNA. I don't know. We don't. I don't know the answer. We, it makes it sound. I, I don't know. I mean, scientifically, we don't know. Either either that's the case, or some it would have to be genetic or some other thing. People's brains might be slightly different, so they're, mm. so they're less sensitive to internal states. That could be another cause. Mm. Or you're right; it's it's we're all born that way, and then we, as we grow up, and you know, we're young, and we go to school, and we're, we're sort of tuned out from paying internal attention. Mm. 
and we're just tuned to external things and told to ignore those internal states. Or we're so told from a very early age, you, you, you're not, you know, what you think is not right. You know, listen yeah. to me, do what I say, don't have, a, don't have your own thoughts. Yeah. I mean, again, it takes time to um, build up um, the kind of intuition muscle, I guess. Mm. Um, intuition in, in our role in design is really big part. I mean, it plays a big part in what we do. And there's times where we say, okay, technology needs to prove our intuition now. We, we, we didn't used to do that. Or micro researchers mm. need to prove that what we feel is the idea, what we feel through either years of doing, answering similar problems, or this particular one that we've kind of done a lot of research, we've tried a lot of things, and we honed in what we feel, and we do a, and we do a lot of strategy around that, because we kind of, you know, we, we kind of strategize and we kind of unpack the feeling into a strategy that's logical yeah. for the end user. So they go, oh my God, that's just genius. That's, that's it. You know, they kind of buy into that. Or we position it in such a way that they feel, um, you know, stimulate their intuition perhaps or stimulate mm-hmm. something within them that, that, they, that makes them connect with committing to moving forward with, with such an idea. As technology is, is enhancing and the speed of technology improving on the data, understanding the data around uh, what we do, uh, what we create, what we see, the stimuluses that we're creating on a daily basis. I, I kind of feel like this is the time, and people are doing it obviously, we're, we need to be doing it more so, I think, where we can actually prove with science that what we're, what we're recommending through what we're feelings, um, or collective feelings, that it's accurate or even not accurate, or even 5% off, or 20% yeah. over. Do you know what I mean? Like that, that's something which is, I mean, we're gonna, we can talk about AI too, around how I, AI and intuition kind of work together. Um, but I think that, yeah, the science of intuition, it's kind of intuition's not necessarily seen as a science, is it? Not yet, yeah. And that's why, I mean, scientists in general are fairly conservative, and so it takes... So one of, the th- one of the things my lab is well known for is taking taboo or fluffy topics like mental imagery or intuition, these things that people consider in the too hard basket and figuring out, like I described before, a new way to measure it from the ground up. Hmm. Um, and then once you do that, you have a new, it's like a new tech, right? You have a new way to measure it and it opens up the field. But this happens so slowly. You, when you, you, for the rest of the world, science is like, it's just, it's glacial sp- pace, right? Hmm. People have to be published, and publishing papers can take two years, and then someone else reads it, and then they think about it, and they run an experiment. Two, another two years, right? So we're already four years in, and so f- for a field to sort of open up and explode, can take 10 years or something. So we're seeing that now with mental imagery and aphantasia, that field, when I started working in it, it was, mm-hmm. was sort of career suicide or taboo topic. It was, too, it was just too, shouldn't, you know, my senior colleagues would say, don't, don't do that, it's, it's career suicide. Um, but I stuck with it and now it's like blossoming as a field so it takes its time I think there will be a science of intuition as, as a field of its, of mm. its own um, but like you said like, so, so I have a small company called MindX and we've done we do creative assessment for the advertising industry and it's kind of like you described where they'll have an idea and I think they'll have feelings this over this over this and I'll say but okay now we need data to back that up mm. we can't we used to be able to just say, you know, we're the authority, this is how it should be, and now you need the data yeah. from people to back that up. And so that's kind of where things are going. And then, yeah, you mentioned AI, which is really interesting. So 
this came up first with questions from journalists who I would define um, intuition as being sort of unconscious processing of information and ex used as a, tapped into with a feeling. And I'll say, well, AIs and machine learning, uh, they're not conscious, let's say, let's say, but they're processing information and they're coming to a conclusion. Is that the same as intuition? Are, are AIs intuitive? And at the time, I'd never thought about that before, but it kind of, you can almost think of our unconscious brain being like a machine learning device, which is picking up on all these thousands of patterns mm. every day and learning these associations. And the only way we can tap into that is a feeling, a gut feeling of positive or negative or something. And so, yeah, you can think of an AI and machine learning as some, doing something similar in a black box. We don't see how it works. Uh, it's just giving us an answer. So I think there are, there are in interesting similarities there. I think we're probably using intuition today in a very different way to obviously what we did originally, because originally when we were out there, hunters and gatherers were just survival mode. Yeah. We weren't trying to be responsible for the success of an organization, <laughs> you know, of multi, a billion dollar organization, or like if we're rebranding a business, I find that a massive responsibility, and I want us to get it right. And my intuition, should my, my intuition be the guiding factor on that? I mean, that's what sometimes you think. I'm thinking, shit, I've got a lot of responsibility here to, to ensure that what we're recommending is actually going to work. Yeah. And in the past, I, you, you kind of did it and, it, and it, and it worked. It contributed in a positive way, which wasn't necessarily measured, but the people embraced it and they were excited and they were positive and it kind of helped kind of them on, the, on their journey. Um, today, I think it's different where... Uh, you know, when you're working with organizations, you do have a huge responsibility. I mean, your intuition is being really tested, you know. I mean, and if it's been tested to kind of sense what's around you, if it is, it's designed to kind of help guide you through, through your life and, and kind of through your, you know, walking through the fields and stuff like that um, and eating and, you know, whatever it might be, versus the complexity of life today. I kind of question whether the, the intuition is like, really being, is it capable of actually uh, still being relevant in some situations where you are trusting it, mm. but really you, you shouldn't be, you know, really you shouldn't be allowing that to kind of guide you. I mean, without the science, I mean, you need, I, I, I just kind of feel like you need the science to back it up today. We have to have it. Yeah. Otherwise, so it's, it's a bit foolish to kind of just go, right, we're going to go with that recommendation. Yeah, there are, and the way I think about it is there are these cognitive biases that our brains have and, and things I mentioned before, like the low probability event and, and context and, and being overly emotional, those kind of things are going to stop intuition from working properly. So there's certain areas where intuition will fail. Can information just be too complex for intuition to work or too many factors? I, I don't know. We don't know what the, yeah, the capacity of intuition is and if, is it going to reach some capacity limit, you know, in modern, you know, because like you said, back in the someday, you know, our intuition was used for life or death or can I climb on that branch or can I walk mm. on that cliff, is it going to collapse or not? And these kind of feelings like that, not some, you know, 5,000 factor rebranding thing of everything from the social media through the colour, through the thing, through the whatever it is. I would say, and other people have published on this, although it's very controversial, that unconscious processing like we're talking about intuition has a higher capacity than conscious processing right and that 
for you to think through all every conscious factor that would go into that branding decision would overwhelm your brain. You'd have to stop and write it down or make a model or, or have a, mm. you know, a whole textbook thing on that to, lay, to go through each step, right? But your intuition could handle that because it's going on sort of under the hood and it will just give you this sort of positive or negative feeling about the directions. So from that point of view, you could say that, yeah, it has a much higher capacity limit than your conscious mind. But there's also the intuition conflict where, you know, you and I are talking on the same subject or we're working on the same project potentially. Yeah. Uh, you, your intuition is telling you one thing, mine's telling me something else. Um, how, how, how does that work? How do you know? Like we've been in situations before when we present ideas and something I go, okay, this is it. And everybody, ha- everybody trusts me that this is it. Yeah. But they're probably in their minds going, I don't know what the hell he's talking about. This isn't right. I don't think this is the right color. This is the right font. This is the right uh, but, messaging. But that's where expertise comes in, right? So you want, if it was a brand decision, you, you've, had, you've had experience. You've seen something be rebranded and worked and really not worked and all the variances in between there. So you're, you've consciously learned and unconsciously learned all those things. Mm. Whereas I haven't had those experiences. But I have had, I've reviewed hundreds of thousands of science papers, and so now when I read a, get a paper to review, I'll sit down and read it, and very early on I'll have that feeling like, mm, something's a little off in this paper, well, let me just, and I'll dig deeper in it and I'll find, normally it's right, I'll find something methodologically was off. And but that'll start with a feeling, and I've cultivated that through reading hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of papers. And so I think if someone's an expert in a field and they're still in that field, and we're talking about a choice in that field, it makes sense to rely on their feelings because they've been built up over a long time. Like the example I said where I, doing science, I will practice it and I'll try and pay attention. I don't write it down and, and keep score, but if I have a, 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 when I'm reviewing a paper, peer review, right, um, and something's not quite right, it starts as a feeling and then I'll dig deeper until I find that thing. Mm. Um, and I try and pay attention to that process, learn it, see if it ends up being rewarding. Um, I tend to do the same thing with new ideas for experiments. There's something I'll just, you know, just kicking around a new experimental idea with a student or something, and something with the idea will just stick in my head, mm. and it'll be a feeling, and I'll try and cultivate that. Mm. You know, maybe at first, years ago, I was would be embarrassed to say that. All now I'm just like, what? hey, something about that is cool, or something about that is. is Really interesting. I'm not sure what it is right now. Let's just play. Let's just play with that idea. Mm. And I try and build that and see how many of those playful things sort of convert, if you like, to to something cool experiment. Mm. So I think it's cultivating it like that. Yeah. I know that's kind of a deal as well with sports players, right? Playing football, and that's where intuition comes in, where you have you know milliseconds to make a choice. Yeah. You can't go well. Statistically, it's better if I go to the right because of that, and then there's mm. that space is smaller. It's just like left doesn't feel good, right feels good. I'm moving this direction. Mm. It happens so fast. Mm. I think that when you're playing sport, you iterate over those things over and over. You have so many examples of where that works or it doesn't work. That that's a interesting place to play around with intuition and, and practice it and learn it. That's interesting because I I get often the situation where my intuition is telling me I don't know enough. Like mm. a, in a situation when people are prepared to commit to something, I'm yeah. going, I don't feel comfortable with this. I don't know enough. There's something missing. It make me want to dig deeper, find out more information. And then I go, that's the thing. 
that's the thing I was looking for. Um, that sounds good. That sounds. But equally, you can, you can get that eureka moment when you found that, and your intuition, intuition tells you this is the, this, now it's right, or this is what you should do. Mm. It could be another week goes by, and then something else comes up. You go, damn it! <laughs> <laughs> there was something else. I mean, yeah. there's always going to be something else, isn't there? I mean, we're yeah. yeah. It, it, it kind of doesn't, you know, practically in in business they begin and end projects, but li- there's still a living entity that goes on. Uh, beyond that moment in time that you're working on it and things could evolve. It's just a weird thing that, I mean, it's like people put their heart and soul into the, to, to kind of cracking a problem, uh, finding a, a solution, uh, doing they possibly can in that moment in time. Uh, but that is your perspective. That's your moment in time with that particular project. Somebody else's moment in time with that project would have a very different outcome. That's really, I think that fascinating, fascinates me is around, you know, another individual could do an equally different solution and it could equally as successful or mm. someone could do something or you could do something which is actually uh, f- fall short of the success that you that's expected from that or anticipated yeah and I think that that's something that but but someone doing that might have that same eureka moment feeling inside them I'd like to unpack that. Maybe, maybe we're going to do it today, but I'd like to kind of <laughs> unpack that and kind of understand. But I think it's learning, right? We've it. got to learn, learn that feeling, how it feels, and how predictive it is. And if for whatever reason it's not predictive, right? They're having that feeling, and it always it leads to something that doesn't work. Then they're going to learn not to use that. Mm. And maybe it's the execution, or maybe it's. I said, the, uh, you know, maybe they're, they're overly emotional that day or maybe something temporary. Mm. Um, but there's, your, your intuition can get mixed up with stress, fear, so, yeah, a whole definitely. bunch of different things as well. So it's like, is it one voice inside you that's telling you this stuff or is it multiple voices? <laughs> but, that's, but that's the thing, right? So, so uh, who, was it, who was I talking to someone about intuitive eating? Um, and... They were talking about, you know, if you're truly in touch with the feeling, then you'll know when to stop. And I'm like, but what if the voice says, no, I want more ice cream, more pizza, more? And like, that's, hmm. like, that's a legitimate... Or both. Or both and everything yeah. else, right? So that's, that's a feeling. Should I trust that? How do I know when to trust that and not trust that? Don't go to the gym. <laughs> you really don't want to go to the gym. Yeah. And so you have these, yeah, you have... We touched on this a little bit in our prior discussion around well-being, right? You're going to have these survival urges which are built in to our biology that where you are trying to pack, you know, get calories into you in case for the rainy day, right? Mm. And so that is going to exhibit as a feeling and it's going to... I would distinguish that from intuition the way I'm using it today. Even though it might feel the same or very similar, there's this in, in, sort of this drive. And then you've also got to sort of keep signposts up or flags to know if, I, if you're feeling down or depressed or anxious, then this landscape's going to be all different as well mm. because you're going to have, you're going to start doing emotional thinking and you're going to start catastrophizing and, and, and it's going to feel a certain way. And if you're very used to trusting intuition, you can fall into that trap of just, it feels, it feels bad, so it must be bad because I'm feeling it. Mm. Whereas if everything's going in that direction, then you have to actually pull back and say, well, almost against. Um, against intuition because it's going to lead you astray there, right? Just because I'm feeling it's, you know, I'm going to die or this is embarrassing or it's a feeling. Logically, it's actually wrong. So I've got to fight my intuition. Mm. And so actually something we haven't talked about is intuition and COVID. 
Yeah. So viruses are an example where intuition doesn't really work. Mm-hmm. Right? There's things we can't see, the microscopic little thing, we can't see it. It feels like if you know, your family members and people, your fr- good friends, you know them, they couldn't give me a virus. Like you feel safe with them. And so it f- it's very different to other dangerous things where you can kind of see the danger. And because you can't see a virus, your intuition kind of doesn't really always work with it. So I think we have to be very careful around COVID or any virus, anything we can't see. Um, because I've been at situations where family or friends, you know, where people don't want to wear a mask or this or that because it's a feeling. Well, I couldn't possibly, someone I know, you, you know, I know you so well, couldn't possibly be giving me the virus, but the virus doesn't no. care whether you know someone or it's safe or it's in a familiar house or whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Let's talk about, you, you mentioned COVID, obviously that's obviously highly topical and we're all in it. How do we, and we, this particular podcast is around the new year, um, we're kind of 18th of January 2021, uh, we want to there's topics that we're talking about really to help people to start the new year uh, with a bit of focus, uh, with some help, with some clues, with some guidance, um, with, I guess, an open mind to kind of thinking about how they might help. This might help them kind of kickstart things for them. Um, what's early stages of, you know, we've all been feeling quite burnt from COVID. Some yeah. people are in a, re- in a really bad way. Uh, in, in Australia, we're thankfully um, pretty much safe um, from uh, what's happening in the rest of the world, luckily. And that's a real privilege, and I feel a bit like, you know, we have a different perspective of what other people are going through right now. But people who are in the heart of it, how do they at this moment of time kind of utilize their intuition in a, or learn to use their intuition in a way that's going to help them kind of navigate the situation? Yeah, that's it's a tough one, right, because... If they're already feeling down or highly anxious, then in just going with their feeling may not be a good idea mm. um, because they're going to start doing emotional thinking, they're going to start fearing to go outside or fearing whatever it might be, which is in, in, a, in a rational sense. So if, that's, if they've already sort of gone down that path enough, then I would say actually to resist intuition and try and look at the numbers and the science behind it and look at um, the probabilities here and all the health factors we know about COVID and, and, and from that point of view, you know, the, the age and the, the metabolic health and all these things which contribute, vitamin D status, all these things we know from science that can help and go with those things and f- do things that can boost those um, biomarkers to be healthier, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, then use something called like cognitive reframing to try and reframe other things in their life, whether they maybe have trouble with employment, jobs, other lifestyle or family. Try and, try and it can be very hard when you're in the middle of it, but try and reframe this as the beginnings of something different and new and know that at some point you may well be looking back at this years down the track and it was the silver lining was that you made a lifestyle change or a family change or whatever kind of change that was long-term for the better. So just try and think about what hidden silver linings might be there. Mm. Because once you can still see one, you can grab onto that and start doing that again and again, and then you can pick up your mood. It's not your usual 
uh, New Year's resolutions and a new year. No, normally, New Year is like a celebration of, you know, that last year is behind us. This year is like a clean slate, and away we go. We, we're still pretty. It's um, kind of the same again. <laughs> yeah, it kind of is. I mean, I hate to admit that, and it really does play on my optimism. Mm. Um, but it's just that kind of feeling of shit. What have we got ahead of us? And and the uncertainty again, which we talked about earlier. Uh, we're all looking for clues. I think we're all looking for some kind of form of clue, and intuition is is one. Yeah, definitely. Um, but like, you can't. I don't think we can switch it off at this moment in time. But um, I guess what we can also do is is a negative thing is actually kind of catastrophize everything, especially with what's going on around us and and the news and the media. We're all looking for. We're all looking at it, and watching it, because we want to know what's going on. Yeah, because it actually does affect us all individually. It's not like, you know, a war in another country that you really doesn't have any effect on you, or or some other situation in the country that has no effect on you. This does have an effect on you. So, I kind of want to be able to utilize my, whatever I've got, yeah, <laughs> to, in a, in a better way to help kind of start to move things forward in a, some kind of form of positivity. Yeah, but there's a double, you know, the doom scrolling and there's a double-edged sword there where you. You, you can spend all day trying to following the Twitter feeds and all and watching whatever twenty four hour news mm. channels and and that's not going to help either, right? So you kind of want to figure out a way to get the information that you need, and that's and then once you've got it, that's enough, and not get carried away into this doom scrolling thing mm. where you're just constantly searching for any information, because that will become more addictive, and the, the architecture of the platforms that you may be using to get information will make it more addictive, mm. and You'll, that will spiral and you'll be doing that all day. Mm. And that's, you know, you know you've, everyone's heard it hundreds of times or thousands of times, but exercise is one of the things. The exercise, the effects of exercise on anxiety and depression, are, 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 they're huge effects. Mm. Sleep, et cetera. And sleep, yeah. Yeah. So, so we're saying trust our intuition. I think the trust key, your gut. Trust your gut, but know when to trust it and when not to trust it. So in psychology, there's been this argument going back on exactly that topic. You know, it's good, it's bad. Hey, look now, look, these people trusted it and it didn't work out. But I think there are these our brains evolved in a certain way, and there's these biases that we have in our brain, cognitive biases, that um, we need to know about, and so we should avoid using our intuition with things we can't see and touch. An experience or low probability events. Um, if you're very, if you're already emotional or anxious or things like that, pull back on intuition. So it's really about knowing when to use it and when not to use it. So I better stop using mine then. What, <laughs> so, so what you really need, and this is this is a book project that I've been discussing with a few people at the moment, is a like a, a field guide to intuition, a practical guide that says mm. exactly that yeah. when you should use it, when you shouldn't use it safely. Um, it's, it's kind of a lot to remember when all these different examples. So I think that's kind of what we need. So stay tuned. Maybe the book will come out. Yeah. Well, I think it's definitely... Uh, my intuition tells me that's going to be a popular book. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know more. Okay, cool. Well, look, uh, Joel, thank you. It's been really cool catching up with you today. My uh, pleasure. Talking to Joel today really helped put things in perspective for me. We covered what intuition actually is and how we can measure it scientifically, when to use it and when not, and what role AI can play in the process of intuition and decision-making. Be sure to tune in next week when Joel and I chat about the pivotal role well-being plays in ensuring our minds and bodies function to the best of their abilities. Thank you all for listening. If you want to find out more about designing your life, 
head over to our website at designyourlife.com.au or on our social media at Frost Collective. If you enjoyed this episode and found it inspiring, please don't forget to review or subscribe.